0: Well, good morning, Thrive. It's good to have you guys with us today. Amen. You guys doing well this morning? Good, good. It's good to be with you today. Um, We're in a series called Be Generous. And if you're new to Thrive, uh, we take every November to talk about the principle of generosity in the lives of the followers of Jesus that attend this church. And the reason is, I believe that discipleship, following Jesus, there are several things you have to do, like pray and learn to read your Bible, share your faith. Um, I believe it's living a holy life before the Lord, but also generosity is something that has marked believers since the inception of the church in the book of Acts in the first century. And so I'm excited today to continue this series with you, and if you will, go ahead and uh, turn in your Bibles to Malachi chapter uh, 3, Malachi chapter 3. Well, um, I was listening to some hiring practices of a very well-known business one time, and here's what the owner said that he would do. He said that he would actually place trash on the floor strategically, and if the person did not pick up the trash, guess what? He didn't hire them. He says because he was testing them to see if they would do something that wasn't their job. The staff at Thrive know, I never want to hear, that's not my job, right? But he was testing them. And here's what a test is. A test is something that shows you where you're at in a subject, right? So in school, when you took a test, it was to see what was your progression on that. How far had you come in social studies or science or math, and where did you need to get better at? And today, I want to talk to you about the test of generosity, because God speaks about a test in Malachi 3. And in Malachi, here's the backdrop of it. What had happened was, was the children of Israel were slaves for many years in Babylon. Assyria had decimated the northern kingdom of Israel. The southern kingdom of Judah had been taken captive by Babylon. But God promised them the whole time. Remember Jeremiah 29:11. 11? I have plans for you, a hope and a future. I want to prosper you. He had these plans, and he, he promised them that. And they were waiting patiently. And then it happened. Zerubbabel and Ezra go back and rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. They start letting Israelites go back to Jerusalem. And then Nehemiah goes and rebuilds the wall, and they start gathering in Jerusalem once again. They're not slaves anymore. God's promises have come to pass. God had done exactly what he said he would do. That's good, right? I wish that was the end of the story. But the problem with Israel is the problem with me and the problem with you. They began to forget how good God had been to them. And what they did was they begin to put God on the back burner. Haggai said this, the guy who lived during that time. He was one of Malachi's, you know, uh, contemporaries. He told him, he said, you build pretty houses, but you have forgotten the house of the Lord. And then here comes Malachi The last prophet that we're going to hear from, for 400 years, there is silence between Malachi and Matthew. And in this silence, you don't hear God say a thing for 400 years. And here's the last thing that God says to the Israelites, always pay attention to God's tone, pay attention to what God's feelings are toward a subject. And so in Malachi chapter 3, starting with verse 6, and some of you are very familiar with this passage, but he says, I am the Lord and I do not change. This is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Because I don't change. I'm merciful. I'm I'm faithful. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you. That's how faithful God is. He says, "Just, just come back. Just come back to me. Return to me. But watch this. But you ask. How can we return when we have never gone away? There's a problem when you don't know you have a problem. We'll say that one more time, right? There's a problem when you don't know you have a problem. It's like bad breath, right? Everybody else knows it, but you don't know it. <laughs> and they're saying, Somebody got that. The rest of you will get it after lunch. You got that. But how have we gone away from you, they ask. Israelites it's like, God, what do you mean? We've not gone away from you. I mean, God, he says, then God says, you have cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough of food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room to take it in. Try it. Put me To the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fail from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations, watch this, will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight. Now understand that this was written around 2,500 years ago. We're not Israelites, we weren't released from Egypt. We're not under the Old Testament law. I understand all that. But you gotta understand something. The similarities are there. We were released as slaves to sin, right? We were slaves to sin. Death, hell, and the grave for what was given to us because of sin. And God rescued us through Jesus. We're not under the law, we're under grace which means we have a greater response to God. See, understand this. The same thing happens to us. We forget how good God has been to us. We forget that everything we have belongs to the Lord. That's what we said over and over at Thrive. We forget to worship him even in our financial giving. We forget his mission and his agenda and his purpose just like the Israelites did. And it hurt the heart of God to see that, not just because they had forgotten, but number one, they were robbing God, and they were robbing, number two, themselves of the blessing of God. See, the tithe to the Israelites was this. It was 10% of everything, and most of theirs was animals and crops, right? Well, guess what? Most of us in here don't just live off animals and crops, right? We have resources and income. That was 10%. And I want to talk to you about that today because there's a test, a dual test going on with that 10%. If you have your notes handy, write this down because you've got to understand this about the tithe, the first 10% that God owns. You have to understand this. The tithe is a test. We're going to talk about that today. Let me say this as I said it last week and to those watching online. People who want to argue about generosity, number one, don't have any track record of generosity. The people who have always argued, we actually have trolls who come after us online anytime we talk about generosity. And I always ask them, would you please tell me and show me with a statement how much you've given last year to the work of God? And they can't do it because they don't do it. They're, they're greedy, right? So, they, so they're upset. And then number two, people who argue about generosity, they don't have a blessing on their life. I don't mean financially. I don't mean materialistic. When you put God first, there's just a blessing that rests on it. How do I know that? If you go around to the people with gray hair in this room, and I, and I say this with all respect, to those who are senior citizens, and you talk to them about giving and generosity and tithing, every one of them would say this, I am faithful in putting God first financially. And there's a blessing that rests on them. See, the people who argue about that have usually failed the test. What is the test? What does the tithe test? Number one, it tests this. It tests greed. tests greed. Well, how can you say that? The only way you know you're not greedy, watch this, is you have a track record of generosity. The only way my wife and I know, this is what we do, that we aren't greedy, and watch this is, I have to look at our tax returns to see how much have we given to the work of God and to charitable organizations in the earth. That's the only way I know I'm not greedy. See, we would all say, oh, I'm not greedy. No, 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 no. I have such good intentions. Oh, man, I went and changed somebody's tire of the day. But when you look at what God has given you versus what you're able to be generous to others with, there's greed. So what does a tithe do? When you give away the first 10% of everything God gives to you, you know you have broken greed. Let me explain it this way. Some of you still aren't convinced. Your, Your children, did you have to teach them to be greedy? How did you break greed in your child's life as a toddler? You taught them to share. Hopefully you did. You taught them to, to let others prefer them first, to give it away. See, the same thing happens to us as adults. The only way we know we aren't greedy is generosity. Generosity is the antithesis to greed. And so it tests, where are you at with greediness? I'm greedy too, guys, can I tell you? I'm greedy. And the only way for me to continue to break greed is to be generous. Matter of fact, in November, every year, I love to be even more generous than I was last year. Every year, I love to increase my giving 1% a year. I've told you that. Why? Why do you do that? I want to bless the world and bless the world with the work of the kingdom of God. But watch this. I also want to curb greed in my life, and I'm teaching my son this right now. He has a God jar at five years old. Not only does he earn money, but I want him to understand that that all belongs to God at five years old. And that's the way that we break grief. Here's the next test. It also tests your affection. Write this down if you have your note, Teddy. It tests your level of affection. Well, how do you know that? I can tell what you love, but where you spend your time and where you spend your money. If you love, was it Zappos? Is that the shoe place, ladies? Some of y'all are like, I don't know, I've never heard of that place before, right? Kate Spade, right? Men, is it, is it Cabela's, right? I mean, like, like, if you go through and look at where you spend your time and money, you can tell where your affections are. If, if, your time, if you never spend time in prayer and the Word of God, do you really love prayer and the Word of God? Well, what was the answer? Yes. Well, if you don't do it, no. I mean, right? like, if you don't do it, if you never do that, if you never are generous towards something, does it mean that you love that thing? No. You may have intention for it, but you're not. So also, it tests your affection. And Jesus even said that. He said, I can tell where your heart is at by where your treasure goes. See, my wife, not only do we give a tithe, but she, she has compassion and affection for children with cancer. Has something that moves her heart. See, the, the tithe, I believe, goes to the work of God. You can argue and do what you want to with it. You're probably not generous anyway if you're arguing about that. But... But above that, my wife and I give to organizations that move our heart. And for hers, it's it's children with cancer. We couldn't fathom our son having to battle cancer, and it breaks our heart. It makes us cry. It makes us weep and pound the table. And so we give to that as well. It tests your affection. So where's your affection? See, God told the children of Israel, you don't care about my house. They're like, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 God, you're going overboard. He says, but I can tell you don't care. Why? Because they have become greedy. Their affection had begun. Here's what else the tithe tests. Are you ready for this? The tithe tests God's promises. The only time in Scripture that God says, try me, like test me, put me to the test, is when it comes to generosity. Look throughout Scripture, it's full of God's promises. And not just Old Testament, look in the New Testament. For whatever a man sows that which he will reap, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you're going to reap bountifully. And Paul was not talking about corn seed. <laughs> all through Scripture. We have the promises of God. There's something about generosity that moves the heart of God. And where you're at today, some of you, as we go forward, you need to actually trust God in this area. Not only do you battle greed like I do, not only do you have affections that aren't the kingdom of God, but sometimes, and some of us have never trusted God on this level. This is a whole nother level when it comes to trusting God. It's when you trust God with something that's so tangible to you. And you need to learn to trust God. Let me say this about about the tithe. Let me say this about giving, just to to ease you up. If you think we're doing this series because we want your money, then you're wrong. Number one is what I want for you. I firmly believe in this. I should not be living the life that I'm living, guys. If you think I want your money, give to another church. Take your 10% if you think, and give it somewhere else because I want something for you, not something from you. Amen. Amen. One person got this. The rest of you don't. I was 20 years old, leopard-printed hair, tattoos and piercings, a skateboarder who went to a church. When I graduated high school, I was voted to most likely die at 26 years old. Seriously. Nobody in that church ever thought that I would amount to anything because the way that I looked, I didn't look like the. Now we all kind of dress casual. Everybody had suits and ties. Friends, I didn't have a suit and tie to wear to church. My mom put some, just, I, I I look funny on Sundays. I just had weird clothes. I didn't know what to put on. And nobody ever thought I would be where I'm at today. When I sit around and look at my wife, and I look at my son, I look at this church, I look at my friends, I look at my, when I look at my life, I sit back and I say, this should not be my story. I should not be here. I shouldn't have any of this. Can I tell you something? God's promises are true. And I put God first in every area of my life, including saying, God, from the, and from the moment I gave my life to Christ, I heard this message on tithing. It made me mad. It ticked me off. But I said, if God says it, I'm going to do it. And then the pastor preached the next week. The old pastor preached on tithing off the gross income. I said, that's gross. <laughs> and you know what? I began to do it. When I met my wife, I wanted to ask her before we ever started dating, do you tithe? Because if she'll rob God, she'll cheat on me. Come on, y'all. That's good preaching. If, 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 if she, yeah, right. And, and so she put God's kingdom first. And so we, again, and I'm gonna tell you something. If you, if you fight this, write this down. If we fight this, you're going to miss the blessing of God. I don't talk about financially and materialistic. If you fight this, you're going to miss the blessing of God. And you are going to miss being a blessing on behalf of God as well. You're going to miss that. It's twofold. I want you to experience God's blessing on your house, the blessed house where God is first and your children know he's first. Last week, we heard from Robert Robert Morris about that, right? That one day, your child's going to ask you, why do you give so much to the kingdom of God? And you can sit down with them and say, let me tell you something, God rescued me and redeemed me, and this is why I put him first in every area of my life, including the sacrifice of finances. Don't miss the blessing of God. And guys, don't miss being a blessing on behalf of God. The greatest story of Thrive is not how much comes in financially each month to this church. You understand that? I talk to some churches and they're so proud of how much millions they have come in. The greatest blessing about Thrive is we get to be a blessing on behalf of God. If you've noticed, during the pandemic, we've given more money away to churches and ministries during the pandemic than we did last year. Yeah. Why? Because that's what it comes down to. You will never weep and cry because you've got a bunch of money. But I'm a teach than what brings tears in my eyes every time I go back and look to when the Lord has allowed me to give the, I've given two cars away in my life. And no, I have no more, so don't send me a message about it. <laughs> I'm, I don't have any more. <laughs> And and I love it. When I go back to key moments of my life, it's not how much I have, it's how much I've been been able to give away. And I sat with Robert Morris this week who wrote that book, The Blessed Life, and I felt like a junior varsity generosity Christian, right? He had given 15 houses away in his life. And I'm like, man, I am so far behind the eight ball because I want to be a blessing on behalf of God. And if you want to do that, if you want to see God's blessing, here's what you have to do. And here's what I've done. I want to challenge you to do this. Set aside. Write this down. Set aside. The first portion of your income is worship to God. Set it aside. The first portion that comes in. The first belongs to God. And set it aside. You say, well, that's all Old Testament. I don't believe in any of that stuff. Let me tell you something. I believe, I believe in the New Testament. Well, let's, okay, okay, ma'am. Okay, sir. Let's read from the New Testament what Paul told the, the, the church at Corinth to do for the work of God and the ministry. And in 1 Corinthians, I love this, and actually, 1 Corinthians 16, he says this. He says, now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem. Now realize what happened. The Jews had a system to take care of widows and orphans and and take care of that. But the Jews, when they became Christians, were rejected in some of those systems. They had no system now. And then some of the, the Greek Christians who came in to that had no system to be taken care of. They had to travel, also send missionaries out. And look what he says. He should, you should follow, watch this, the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. All the churches of the first century were doing this. What were they doing? On the what? First day of the week. What what day is today? The first day, you guys are doing really good. You're here with me today. The first day of the week, he says this, you should put aside a portion of the money that you've earned. In the New King James, it says, in keeping with your income. Put aside a portion of the money that you've earned. And watch this. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it at once. When I come, I will write letters of recommendation for the messengers you choose to deliver your gift to Jerusalem. And if it seems appropriate for me to go along, they can travel with me. He says, set aside on the first day of the week a portion of your income. They were already still supporting the Jewish temple because many of them were still going to that and meeting in homes. They, were still, they can be Jews and be Christians and not abandon that. But he said, set aside on the first day of the week. It says in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, look at this promise here. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And the best part of everything you produce. give God the first, give God the best, make sure God comes first in your life, and then watch this, then He will fill your barns with grain, and your vats will overflow with good wine. I want to tell you something. You will never find a believer at the end of their life on their deathbed saying, "I'm just I regret giving any money to the kingdom of God." <laughs> Pastor? oh, it was the worst. I lived my whole life supporting the work of Jesus. I put Jesus first in every area of my life. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Have you? I've never, but I have heard this. Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. Tears down her face. I squandered my life. I didn't put God first. Jesus wasn't the first in my life. Please help me. I watched my mom and my dad both cry with those regrets in life. I don't want you ever to do that. But here's what you're going to have to do. And this is the hardest part of this for you. And again, let me say it again. If you're watching online, if you're here today, let me say this. If you think I want your money, it's not what I want from you. I'll give you a list of churches you can give to if you don't know one. It doesn't have to be Thrive. We care about you as followers of Jesus. But here's what you've got to do. Are you ready to write this down? You have to sacrifice before you see it. You've got to sacrifice before you see it. What does that mean, Kevin? Many believers are when-then Christians. Well, Pastor, when, you know, when I hit the lottery, then what I'm going to do, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to bless you. You just wait. You just wait. Well, when I get that next promotion, then I'll have enough to be able to do something. For, I, I, I might just slide a little your way. Well, you know, great, 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 great grandma, you know, she's getting ready to, to go on. She's in the hospice. And when she gives an extra, I'm going to tell you what, Pastor, you're going to get a check from me. Friends, let me tell you something. When I was driving a front end loader, making $5 an hour, I gave the first and best to God. If you're waiting until you see it before you make a sacrifice for the kingdom, you'll never see it. Because Proverbs says this it says, He gives seed to the sower. He gives seed to the sower. And there's a story in Genesis 22 as we close this morning of a man who had to make that same decision. His name was Abraham. And Abraham had prayed for a son because God said, through your seed, all nations will be blessed. Remember that, Genesis 12 and 15? That through your seed, and Abraham got 90 years old, and Sarah was 90 years old, and they didn't have a kid yet. The promise to God, like it was failing on them. And God shows up and God says, I will come through with my promise. And so they had this son named Isaac, the son of promise. Can you imagine that? 90 years old, you finally get God's promise. The first, the best. But look in Genesis 22, what happens. It says this, it says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, Here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. I don't know about y'all, but at that point, I've been like, peace out, God. I'm serious. I don't have that much faith. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Could you imagine the conversation? Dad, what's happened and what are you doing? Could you imagine the fear and trepidation inside of Abraham. Sacrificing his... I I cannot fathom this. I would never do it. And it says, At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. I love this. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named the place Yahweh Yireh or Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, The people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. He had to sacrifice before he could see it. Many of us want God to give the provision and then we'll offer our son. See, for many of us today, the next closest thing to us that makes us angry wouldn't be our children. Of course, you wouldn't do that, but it's your money. Remember week one? Mammon, you can't serve God in mammon, you can't serve God in money. And some of us are scared to death to sacrifice anything financially because we don't really trust God in that area. We don't trust that he'll provide. I believe deep down in my heart, scripture doesn't say this, but I believe Abraham in his heart knew that God would provide, but he would go through it with it anyway. But it wasn't until he put his son on the altar and to the ram, showed up where are you at today with this where's God challenging you at maybe you are someone who you know you, you give God your first and your best as I, as, I, as, as I listen to this as I go through this throughout the week I'm always asking God for myself what do I need to do with this God where am I not sacrificing before I see it first where am I lacking faith where is that for you what is God calling you to do For some of you, we're all different levels. For some of you watching online today, you've never tithed. You've never, maybe you walked away from it. Some of you, you do that. I want to read to you a testimony that somebody sent to us from Thrive Church. Every year we do God's guarantee. We do a 90-day tithe challenge for anybody who's either not done it and they want to test God. Here's what we tell them. We send them one for 90 days. You don't have to give to Thrive. You can give somewhere else. And if you think it's a hoax and you get done with the 90 days, watch this now. I, I, it's because God's guarantee, we'll give you your money back. Really, Pat? Yes. Here's what a person wrote, and they said, I thank God every day for you and the fellowship at Thrive Church. They're taking the 90-day tithe challenge. I've never been closer to God than now. I have taken the 90-day tithe challenge, and I have something to tell you which was not expected at all in my family's life. My husband had his yearly review for his raise and was supposed to receive less than a dollar raise. He spoke to his boss a couple months ago and asked for a higher raise, to be exact, more than $4.50 an hour than he was making. And he had mentioned to me that he was not sure about it, and I told him that he was going to get the raise. Well, not only did he get the raise, now he's making $20 an hour, but they gave him a retroactive check for $6,500. Watch this. The Lord blesses us in so many ways, not even in materialistic ways, but by giving us so much more in everyday simple things. Like coming home to hear my son say, I love you, Mom. And knowing that my son is doing great in school that our family is blessed. I shared that with you because some of you need to borrow that faith. I, I, I don't know, amen, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know where you're at today, but some of you need to borrow that. And when you leave here, you need to take a look at your life. You and your wife need to sit down. You and your husband need to sit down. If you're single, you and the Holy Ghost need to sit down. And you need to have an honest assessment of your life. Are we really generous? Is God really first? And you need to have that conversation. Because, because can, can, can I tell you something? If you're a parent in here... Your children are watching you. And I want my son one day to talk about the generosity of dad. I close with this. When I sat with Robert Morse, he answered questions for 90 minutes. Now, we wanted to find out about this generosity stuff. This guy's so stinking generous and he's so stinking just blessed. And here's one thing that I found out that I didn't know before. His dad was extremely generous. His dad had also given 15 houses away. And him and his dad, he, they also had a little competition going at the end of, of his dad's life to see if he could give more away. So he could be more generous. He watched his father's generosity that created a heart of generosity to him that was woven into it. Friends, let me tell you in here, your children are watching you. They're watching your life. They're watching you, how you share your faith, how you use your words, where you spend your time and where you spend your energy, your resources and your money. I was able to give a car away this month and this is not, do not ever clap for me doing that. Can I tell you, don't ever, it's not about me. It is about the message of the kingdom going forth. But can I tell you something? My son got to hear a message about radical generosity. What are you doing with that? Why would you do that? Why don't you, why, why, why? Can I tell you why, son? Because God has been so generous to me and he will get the first and the best of my life for all that he's done for me. Listen, if we miss it, you're gonna miss the blessing of God and being a blessing on behalf of God to the world. Let's pray this morning. Father, we see that there's a test for us all to show us where we're at. Help us, God. Help us in here. God, we we need you to give us the courage to take the next step of being generous, God. So generous the world looks at it and says, why would you do that? Help us, God, as followers of Jesus. Help us, God, to show the world your great love. I pray for every person online today watching. I pray for every person in this room today. I pray for them right now because we're all at different places, Father, when it comes to generosity. And none of us are ever finished with it. There's always a next step for myself and every person that's listening to this. I pray right now to speak to their heart this week, and I pray, God, that it's never about what we can get. It's about what we can give because of what you have given to us. And at the end of the day, we pray, yours be the kingdom, yours be the glory, yours be the power forever and ever, and may the world hear the message of Jesus through what we accomplished with our generosity, Father. We love you. And as we pray today, church, and maybe you're in here today or you're watching online, and maybe you have walked away from your faith in Christ. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. That's your first thing to do. Maybe you've never surrendered to him. Right where you're sitting, pray this prayer after me. You say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. My good works cannot save me. Today, I repent. I repent. Today, I believe Jesus is Lord. I receive him as my Lord. Forgive me of my sins. I believe he died on the cross and he rose again on the third day. God, help me to be generous to anyone and everyone. Help me to have the faith I need to live out your message to the world. And it's in your good name we pray, amen.